There's this place in the rural Eastern Cape on the wild coast. I've never been to this particular spot, but I've visited areas nearby and I can picture it very clearly. The rolling green hills, the rich, thick forests, the beaches sprawling for miles in every direction, seemingly almost untouched by humanity. It's enough to make us city dwellers almost weep at this point in South Africa's extended lockdown. The specific place I want to talk about today is called Bulungula Lodge, and you may have heard of it. It's considered pretty much the gold standard for sustainable, eco-friendly tourism ventures in South Africa. It's owned 100% by the local community, who are Xhosa people still living relatively isolated, traditional ways of life. Now, in South Africa's lockdown, there's been a lot of concern expressed about people living in overcrowded, informal settlements, where concepts like physical distancing seem little more than a pipe dream. But relatively little attention has been paid to the situation in South Africa's deepest rural areas, which hold their own challenges for lockdown. A week or so ago, we heard about what was happening in Bulungula Lodge, where accommodation usually used by tourists and backpackers has been taken over to keep the elderly people living in four nearby villages safe from the coronavirus. Picture this. A tourist lodge now inhabited by over 50 elderly Xhosa men and women, a generation brought together under one roof in the most unexpected of circumstances, who are spending their days catching up with old friends, smoking pipes together, enjoying music. That sounded like a lockdown story we needed to know more about. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger, the Daily Maverick podcast where we bring you the stories behind the stories. On this episode, we take you to the rural Eastern Cape to hear about the grannies and grandpas spending lockdown in an unusually festive form of togetherness. I'm Rebecca Davis. The question was, you know, fair enough, we can do lockdowns in in, in cities and uh, in wealthy, privileged societies, but you know, how would that work in a place like ours where, you know, you, people just don't have the, that many options? Water is from the communal tap. There's huge families living together in one homestead with three generations typically in the same homestead and kids, you know, running around. And That's Dave Martin, who has been living as an ordinary member of the Bulungula community for just over 16 years. He came to this remote area of the Eastern Cape in late 2003 and fell in love with it. So Bulungula is the name actually of a river in a very remote part of the Eastern Cape in the area formerly known as the Transkei. And the nearest town is a town called Tlocha and the nearest city would be Umtata. And uh, yeah, we're roughly uh, about three hours from Umtata on the coast. This is a very remote area, very cut off. It hasn't yet received uh, ESCOM electricity. Just got a gravel road about 10 years ago. So prior to that, you had to walk the last four or five k's to get into the village. It got cell phone signal only about a year ago. It's a very, very remote area, but very beautiful. Dave launched the Bulungula Lodge as a joint venture between himself and local villagers in 2004, before giving over his share of ownership entirely to the community. The lodge has since become one of the most successful examples of community-based tourism in the world. When the scale of the COVID-19 pandemic started becoming clear in February this year, the anxieties of Dave and his fellow Bulungula community members started growing. 
Although a countrywide lockdown had yet to be announced, it was evident that was the direction in which things were headed. And for the impoverished residents of Bulungula, it was totally unclear how this would work. We couldn't see any way that social distancing was actually going to operate in, in, in our part of the world, and particularly not in time. And as the infections in the country started spreading, we were facing what felt like an apocalyptic situation where this amazing community where we lived was just going to witness all the elders, essentially, who many of whom have got other conditions, diabetes or hypertension. It wasn't just that the community had a high proportion of elderly residents. It was also that its location is so remote that even by the generally poor standards of rural health care in South Africa, it was clear that a major outbreak of coronavirus in this area would be rapidly catastrophic. In the biggest nearby city, Umtata, some three hours distant, there are around 20 intensive care beds available. We know from the nature of the COVID-19 disease course that those who need ventilator equipment often require that treatment for some weeks, meaning that an outbreak of the disease here could leave many unable to access life-saving care. And then something happened, which made the situation seem even more potentially disastrous. As I said, we're a very remote location, but then things got very, very real when, by complete kind of unimaginable coincidence, we had at our local hospital a case of, of COVID-19, which is without question the most remote space where any South African infections have occurred. And it turned out there was someone from our region had actually gone to Italy and worked on, on a cruise ship there and come back with the virus and then traveled by public transport home to her village and then gone to test at the hospital being positive. And so two days before the lockdown, we were in absolute panic stations because now there was suspected transmission from her to other people. Everyone was panicking. The hospitals were concerned that they had additional cases now and it felt like this this virus was literally on our doorstep and we were we were already in the danger zone. And so it was, it was, it was, it was a hell of a time. The community decided that their ultimate priority had to be to protect their elders. And after discussions between the four neighbouring villages and their traditional leadership, a plan was quickly formed. Tourism in this part of the country had already flatlined. The Bulungula Lodge was standing empty. What if they used the lodge, and additional homesteads if necessary, as safe spaces where the elderly could wait out the pandemic? When we come back, the unique challenges of creating lockdown spaces in this most rural part of South Africa. This podcast and much of Daily Maverick's work is made possible by Daily Maverick Insiders, our community of readers who provide us with hugely appreciated monthly support. You can find details on the Insider program and the benefits available through it on the Daily Maverick's website. So the week before South Africa's national lockdown was confirmed, the plan to move the community's oldest residents into Bulungula Lodge was announced. Dave says there was initially a fair amount of scepticism. This is a part of the world still largely untouched by internet and even TV. So knowledge of the coronavirus was very limited and not everybody was convinced that the threat was real. What helped was President Cyril Ramaphosa's address to the nation on Monday 23rd March, in which he announced that the country would enter lockdown four days later. That saw the number of people signing up for the safe space at Bulungula rapidly grow, until it became clear that the lodge alone would not offer sufficient room, and a neighbouring homestead was quickly commandeered too. 
Entering these spaces was entirely voluntary. The only rule was that once you were in, if you wanted to leave, you couldn't come back. Dave says it was a massive scramble to get the 52 elderly people and various support staff into the two houses before lockdown, and to ensure that the houses were, for the first time in Bulungula's history, fenced off so that nobody could wander in or out. The logistics might sound simple, but Dave says in reality they were anything but. Democratic structures had to be set up on the inside to convey messages to those outside, like Dave, who were working to keep things operating smoothly. The, the elders have got their own committee, three women and three men who help to manage, you know, any th- issues that are, you know, happening, challenges. You know, one example would be people were complaining that washing their hands was, you know, with a bleach solution and stuff, their hands were drying out. So then, you know, what could be done? So then we managed to source a whole lot of moisturizer and stuff on the outside. There was a particular headache when it came to allowing supplies requested by the elderly residents into the safe spaces. The normal routine they'd decided on was to sanitize everything entering the lodge. But that proved not always to be straightforward. This traditional tobacco that the mamas smoke in their long pipes, you can't spray that really. I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't want to be smoking bleach, I don't think, anyway. So um, it's not, you can't Google that and say, how to bring traditional Tulsa tobacco into a safe house. You know, that, that, that's one of the things that Google doesn't know the answer to. Um, in fact, many of the things we do in Google doesn't have the answer to. Another problem, the snuff or sniffing tobacco, which most of the residents use, and which are sold in giant jars by spaza shop owners who handle the tobacco with their hands. How do you manage that? And so that we couldn't resolve, but we were going to have a, an uprising of the elderly mamas if they didn't get their sniff. So luckily, we could still buy the, 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 the sniffing tobacco. It seemed to be in a bit of a gray area as far as the prohibition on cigarettes goes. Anyway, so we managed to buy the jars, the big jars, which can be sprayed, and then the mamas do the decanting inside the lodge or whatever. Anyway, so yeah, it's things like that. You've got to just constantly think about stuff, things that you would think are just trivial things, even money, you know, how do you, what do you do with money? There we just boil, put it in boiling water. That doesn't seem to damage it and uh, sterilizes it. Yeah, it's just a constant problem solving and trying to work out how you how you actually do things safely. Because again, your biggest fear is that one slip up and the virus creeps in and then you've got a whole bunch of elderly people all together in one space with the virus circulating, which is what happened in parts of France and the States and stuff, which was a disaster. So we're trying to avoid that at all costs. But eventually a system is set up whereby family members can bring resident supplies once a week, the supplies are sanitized before they can come in, and everyone settles in nicely. But what do they do all day? I would say the the number one leisure activity for the old mamas is smoking the long closer pipes with traditional tobacco. There's a lot of grass weaving going on too. Some women are helping with sewing and repairs. And for the elderly men, it's all about listening to the radio and chatting together. We also encourage people from the community to send in voice notes to greet their elders and traditional leaders or chiefs will do that too. And so when the elders are all sitting together, they'll listen to messages played over the sound system from family members talking about them. We have our own local radio station. We bought, I think, 16 <laughs> 
radio sets. Now people can tune into the local radio station and hear their grandkids talking on their DJs and all that kind of stuff and often talking about them. A lot of people hanging out listening to the radios. The lodge is lots of cool chill out spaces and things where you can sit and relax and be comfortable and so they kind of spread out all around there. Let's be frank. Despite the stressful situation that has brought them all together, it sounds suspiciously as if these old-timers are having a job. Yeah, it's kind of like a cool situation in, in some ways because many of the elderly, you know, would be scattered over the four villages quite far apart. Some can get quite lonely and uh, now they're all together there. It's a sort of a huge group of elderly peers all together. So there's lots of singing and dancing and, you know, some elderly coming from quite deprived situations of looking much healthier now after being, you know, well fed and well looked after for these last three weeks. Uh, it's really nice to see and it's like a good spirit and uh, good vibes. Dave stressed the fact that to have 52 elderly people from four villages brought together under one roof for weeks on end is a situation for which nobody in this area can remember a precedent in living memory. Yeah, this is quite a unique scenario. I mean, it's a totally unique scenario. In, you know, obviously we have ceremonies and uh, events as as communities, and that will often bring everyone together, including the elderly who will often sit together at those ceremonies, funerals too. But normally those are things that take place over a day or at most two days, three days. It's nothing like this where everyone's living together for weeks on end. And I think, yeah, you're seeing very positive interactions between people and you know, people, you know, even though they're from the same four communities, four villages, the, the you know, the distance between some of them, it's very far, you know, they're three, four hours walk for a fit person. And obviously, as elderly people, they can't do that. So many haven't seen each other for a long time. So it's great to see that and it's an entire generation sort of connecting again. So that's really nice to see. I don't know if there'll ever be another scenario like this. Uh, it is a once in a lifetime kind of situation. We're trying to make it fun and enjoyable and hoping that, you know, in years ahead, people have fond memories of this time together. It isn't all fun and games, of course. It's inevitable that some of the novelty will wear off as time passes. And Dave says this has indeed started to happen to some degree. It's not easy being separate from your family, you know, for weeks on end. I think people are missing home as well. As the, the, the virus seems to have kind of got stuck where it is, there are a few people who are starting to wonder whether it's not better to go home now and maybe come back later on. This question of whether it might be better to go home now and perhaps come back later is also one that is on the minds of Dave and the other community organisers too. This week, government health advisor Professor Salim Abdul Karim said that the prediction is increasingly that cases of COVID-19 in South Africa may spike much later than was initially thought, possibly even towards only the end of winter in September. Both the elderly and us are, are questioning whether we should actually temporarily allow everyone to go home and treat this more now as a, as a dry run. If that does happen... If the elders get sent home, but with the possibility that they might be readmitted to the safe spaces in future weeks or months if the situation demands it, we wanted to know from the residents themselves how they would feel about coming back to this situation. 
Dave is on the outside of the lodge, but someone on the inside is one of the lodge's managers and caretakers, Simon Stewart, who makes sure all the residents have everything they need. We asked Simon, equipped with just a cell phone as a recording device, to capture an interview for us with one of the elderly women living in the safe space, Nokongi Lasi. Nokongi Lasi is 72 years old and, when times are normal, lives in a small rondavel in one of the villages that skirt the river. She runs a tiny subsistence farm, focusing mainly on staples like beans and spinach. Like most of the residents being accommodated at Bulungula, Nokongi Lasi speaks only Isikosa, so lodge staff member Pumlelo stepped in to translate. Nokongilasi told us she likes the fact that the lodge has lots of trees around it. She enjoys the food they're eating there, and she's a particular fan of the hot showers. In fact, she mentioned the showers several times. She also is enjoying listening to the radio. She likes to sing and dance with the others. Pumlelo, the translator, is laughing here because he says he thinks she's really going to miss the lodge when she leaves. But she is still longing for the people at home, particularly the children. As Dave previously mentioned, it's not easy being away from your loved ones, not knowing when you're going to be able to go back home. So it's understandable that even though Nokongilasi refers to her stay at the lodge as a welcome break from normal life, she is anxious to get back and tend to her crops, which ultimately are her livelihood. Nokongilasi told us she's particularly worried that pigs may have invaded her beds of vegetables. In this respect, Nokongilasi is no different from many of us city dwellers, anxiously eyeing the ever-shifting lockdown deadlines as concerns grow as to our economic positions. But Nokongilasi still recognizes that here, in this little lodge in the Eastern Cape, at the mouth of the Bulungula River, at this strange point in time, something oddly beautiful is happening. History is being written through the mouths of elders sharing stories with each other they may never have gotten the chance to share. Other than perhaps at the odd funeral, never before would this generation have had a chance to see each other at the same place, at the same time, in these numbers. To dance together, sing together, eat together and smoke their pipes. Don't Shoot the Messenger is a podcast brought to you by The Daily Maverick. This episode was produced by Haji Mohammed Dauji with sound engineering, editing and support by Bernard Kotzer, Tevya Turok-Shapiro and Catherine Kotzer. You can listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on The Daily Maverick's website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For more, subscribe to The Daily Maverick's newsletters and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our podcast is only as good as you make it, so please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. There's this place in the rural eastern coast. <laughs> <laughs>